This is Nightmares of the Americas, Indigenous Tales. The show will start in three, two, one. All about puns today. Oh, puns, puns. Okay. Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of Nightmares of the Americas Indigenous Tales. I'm Joseph. And I'm Gabriel. So the goal of this podcast is to bring awareness to the Native culture in the Americas. I know that sounds a little weird, the Americas. But yeah, the Americas. Right. So this doesn't just include the U.S. We're from the U.S. We're from Central California. Mm-hmm. But we're going to be covering... North and South America. We're all over the place. All over the place, multiple tribes. We're going to bring up creation stories such as the Rainbow Bridge from the Shumash or the Seashell People. That's Mm -hmm. the tribe that we're associated with. That's us. That's us. Hey, we're here for you. We're here. There we go. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) These stories are as old as the people that tell them, and they need to be remembered. All these stories were oral traditions. Yeah. You would have elders sitting around, and they they would tell you these stories, and... The stories were told to explain creation, unexplained events, dangers. There's a place that you're not supposed to go. Guess what? They probably named it. Don't go there. Yeah, do not go there. And they would tell a story about it. And if you went there, you clearly didn't listen and you probably died. You probably died. And then there was a story about that. See, what did I tell you? Yeah. I said, don't go there. And and this stupid idiot over there, "Ah, I know better than you guys. (laughs) And then now he's dead. So we're going to go over a lot of stuff like that. And a lot of these stories uh, you're probably aware of. We're going to be talking about cryptids, mm-hmm. creation stories, lore, myths, legends, hauntings. So not only are we going to talk about all these things, we're also going to cover native true crime. Native women in Canada go missing at a much higher rate than any other race. Yeah, uh, it's ridiculous how high of a rate it is compared to other people. Not to say other people that them going missing is like no big deal, but when it comes to native people and native women, for some reason or another, they're percentage of going missing is extremely high. Right. The na- the native population in Canada is, uh, in 2016, in the census, it was 16%. But between 1940 and 2020, 45% of the total missing people reported. Every person that was reported missing in Canada between those years, 45% were native. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's how, crazy. How is it 16% of the population, almost half are missing? So to give you some perspective, about 80,000 people go missing every year in Canada. If you do live in the United States, it seems like a low number. Mm-hmm. Because in the U.S., up to 800,000 people go missing every year. Yeah, comparatively, it is lower, but it's still way too many people. Yeah, it's way too many. So today we're going to go over one of the most well-known creatures of native lore, which is the Wendigo. Ooh, I'm excited. The Wendigo. Yeah, the Wendigo. So what we're going to do is uh, we're trying different formats since this is our first podcast. And thank you guys for listening so much. We appreciate yeah, everything. very much appreciate it. Um, this is a brand new journey for us. There's going to be some hiccups. There's going to be some bumps. We might sound terrible right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, hey, we're going to get better. This is our first one. And we're going to try to figure out all the kinks and all the bumps. And we're going to be messing around with different types of formats. So after today... Myself, Joseph, I will be covering a Wendigo story from the Cree, and I believe, Gabe, what are you covering? I, mine's from the Cree as well, 
I think mine is a little more of historically, like it actually had, like there's facts that it actually happened. And I believe yours is kind of speculated that it happened. Uh, well, we could say speculate. Mine is more of a story. Mine's a, okay. mine's a, mine is a oral tradition. It's a story that was told from elders passed down. Okay. So this is just the story of a Wendigo and burnt stick. Burnt stick? Burnt stick. So after that, we're going to talk about maybe a modern day Wendigo sighting. I'm sure we've looked all over the place and we found multiple sources yeah. with people uh, that have claimed to see the Wendigo. Now, I've never seen the Wendigo. And I've been to a uh, lot of places. Uh-oh. We, you and me might have seen one, but we didn't know what it was. We'll talk about that later. Okay. I don't know what that was that we <laughs> saw. It terrified the bejesus out of Yeah, me. this was years back, but... Oh, my goodness. This must have been 2010, 2011? Uh, around there. Around probably. there. It was ridiculous. So, yeah, actually, thanks for bringing that up. I totally forgot about that until yeah. right now. So we're going to cover some some true stories, and if they are true, one of these things is true. It's good. It has to scare you to death. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm more of a reasonable, logical person. I, I think I'm the same kind. The same. Way. I don't really believe in ghosts and spirits. You and, don't believe in uh, floating orbs and. No, I see. I think they're dust particles <laughs> that you're catching on your camera. You're going to piss a lot of people off. Well, that's fine. You can believe in whatever you want to believe in. You can no, believe in the flying spaghetti no, monster if you want to. out there, and I've seen it. Good for you. And guess what? <laughs> I'm not going to dismiss any of that. Who knows? Through this journey, I might change my opinion completely. Oh, maybe. We don't know. I'm open to everything. Okay. We're going to talk about that, and then we're going to close out with a little info that we have. And then um, hopefully, you know, you'll enjoy this. You'll share it with other people. Uh, this thing can grow. We're not saying that this podcast is going to be like. You can only listen to it if you're indigenous or if you're in touch with your ancestors or anything like that. You, it, Whoever wants to listen, you can listen. You want to learn about other people's culture, that's perfectly fine. If you want to participate, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. Um, we're, we're here. We're all inclusive. I don't care who you are. We're just trying to be... Um, but if you believe in floating orbs... Oh, gosh. No, here we go. This is going to be a thing now. <laughs> don't send them to me. Because I will not look. <laughs> I'll probably look. Yeah. Okay. And if they creep me out, I'll let you guys know. Because I, I, I do get creeped out. Uh, for me saying that I don't believe in anything, we've all been around places. And there's been unexplained events. And Yeah, sometimes you just get that weird feeling where you're like, I don't know what that was. And I can't explain it. Yeah. And then you just lie to yourself. Because I don't want my reality crashed. Mm -hmm. I live in a bubble. And I like my bubble. And I don't want anyone to pop my bubble. Yeah, You don't want your bubble popped. Don't touch my bubble. Nope. So sit back, <laughs> relax, and enjoy. I'm going to start off with a little history of the Cree, and we're going to go from there. Cool. So here we go. Let's get into it. Uh, the Cree lived predominantly in Canada, and they're the largest First Nations tribe. Or I shouldn't even say tribe. They're the largest First Nations. I know Canada and the U.S., it's completely different. So again, we're going to mess some stuff up. Don't be an asshole. Just send us an email yeah, or, we're or not something like historians that. Historians per se or like experts. We don't have a PhD in where you live. Yeah. So if we get the name wrong, shoot us an email. If we get the if we get something wrong, we're gonna do updates. So just yeah. prefacing this by saying we're gonna mess up. Yeah. We'll here, do our best. We will do our best. So here we go. Uh <clears throat> the Cree predominantly live in Canada. They're the largest first nation. 
In Canada, more than 350,000 people have Cree ancestry. And the majority of these people, well, they live in Canada, right? Mm -hmm. So the majority of Cree today, they live north and west of Lake Superior in Ontario, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and the Northwest Territories. Oh, wow. So they're all over the place. They're all over the place. In Can- we're talking specifically Canada right now. Yeah, all over the place in Canada. Right. And about 27,000 people live in Quebec. So Quebec seems to be like the main hub of the Cree in Canada. Okay, so that's the hot spot. Yes. Okay. So in the United States, Cree people historically lived from Lake Superior westward. So they would move and trap and hunt. and they would, So they started moving westward. Today, they live mostly in Montana where they share the Rocky Boy Indian Reservation with the Ojibwe, or the Chippewa people. Cool. Okay. So <laughs> the Cree were hunter-gatherers, and many today consider hunting a way of life and a strong part of their culture. So we still have that drive that we need to be a part of the earth. Like, we need something. We need something. There's something in our past. It's just something that's, I don't know, it's etched in our dna mm-hmm. yeah well to give an example i was talking to monique my lovely wife just to give her a shout out uh yesterday because we are a chumash uh bloodline and we are a island native like i just get that feeling of just being around the ocean or being in the ocean it's like you're home that's, yeah, so that's where our people were from so exactly. yeah that's like very cool right so the again so these people still, you know, they still want to hunt. They feel like it's a very big uh, part of their life and culture. And hopefully these traditions keep getting passed down mm-hmm. and we can keep celebrating um, these oral traditions and these cultural traditions. Their household consisted of eight to 12 people. Wow. About two separate families that were related to each other that would live in a wigwam, a dome tent, or a teepee. So, so that many people in one... In one wigwam or teepee right so it would for example it'd be like me and my family mm-hmm. and you my brother and your family we're brothers oh here we go <laughs> and i don't think we disclosed that we are brothers we did in the beginning okay we're brothers hey everyone <laughs> newsflash brothers brothers okay. so it would be like us living in the same household hmm. so the household's called a lodge okay so the lodge is created of two separate families living together. Just trying to explain that. I was trying to have it. I had a little difficult time wrapping my head around the mm-hmm. term lodge because I'm thinking of a big wilderness lodge. <laughs> when I hear lodge, I think of uh, Fred Flintstone. The, oh, okay. <laughs> the buffalo. The buffalo. The water lodge. buffalo. The water, yeah. yeah. So it's it's not it's nothing like that. They live in a wigwam or teepee. It's kind of hard to explain, but that's what it is. So just you know, kind of it'll it'll make sense as we go along. Okay. So these people moved in groups of lodges, and they hunted together um, in these groups called bands. So multiple lodges create a band. Okay. Multiple lodges or multiple households living in one dwelling, Mm -hmm. and then those dwellings together created a band. Okay. Okay. Lodges could leave bands and go to another band with other lodges. In the case of an altercation or disagreement or something. Mm-hmm. So if you believe that we should be going north and we're going south and and another person thinks that you're another lodge thinks that you guys should do that, then and you might encounter uh, another band, then you might move with that band. So would they just be like, pick up their family and be like, you know what, we're going this way, you guys go that way, 
So yeah, if they can join another band, you want to be with a band because there's power in numbers. So there's safety right. and security in numbers. Okay. So the worst thing that could happen is you would get banished from the band. Uh, see, I would never want to be banished. That doesn't sound fun. It at doesn't. All. It seems like they're going to turn their backs on you one at a time. Yeah. Rip, that doesn't happen. But it, <laughs> it it just seems it seems real bad. Yeah. And again, all these different bands are encountering are Cree. These are all the same people. It's all the same tribe. Oh. These okay. are just different bands. So it's not like you're going to another tribe and saying, "Hey, accept us." No, mm-hmm. you're the same people. Okay. So because you're the same people, you're going to get accepted. Yeah. Unless you were one of these banished lodges that did something that you weren't supposed to yeah they're all hey can i join they're all i heard about you and you go over there and you're not well exactly so now that we understand a little bit about the Cree culture let's go ahead and get into the first story this story is about burnt stick burnt stick and the wendigo yeah when you told me about that i was like i've never heard of that at all oh no i this is the first for me as so well it's very sounds very obscure it's it's different Okay. Um, but we'll get into it. So this story was told by Cree storyteller from Saskatchewan, Canada. <laughs> the storyteller's name was, I'm going to butcher this too, guys. Louis Mooseman, or maybe Luis, or maybe it's the French came over and changed his name. Louis. I don't know. It's L-O-U-I-S. So I'm going to pronounce it Louis Mooseman. Mooseman. And it was recorded by anthropologist Leonard Bloomfield. In the earliest 20th century. The information is collected from the book Sacred Stories of the Sweetgrass Creek. Sweetgrass referring to the chief of the creek. From the National Museum of Canada, printed in 1930. This was a pretty, pretty old book that I found. Yeah, you were showing showing it to me. It looked like it was, I mean, this looked like the Ten Commandments or something. This thing was super old. <laughs> it looked super old. And again, I found it from in the um, the National Archive or the National Museum of Canada. Um, so it's it's pretty interesting. So did you like Nicholas Cage this thing like National Treasure? You just oh, went yeah. down and you're like, I'm I just, finding I, these. Scrolls. I kept going. Yes, I kept going and kept <laughs> digging and kept digging. <laughs> no, actually, I um, I found it in another book that I read and it referenced it, and then I just kept digging and digging until I found the actual text. Cool. The book's actually pretty cool. It's written in Cree language, mm-hmm. and then. It's transcribed from Cree to English. So there's a lot of, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have looked at tran, uh, transcribed languages and we use different pronouns. We do di- use different adjectives, mm-hmm. verbs. We use, we, it's just a different language. So yeah. they kind of filled in everything to make it, the story sound more listenable and readable mm-hmm. for, to, for English. Okay. So the story starts off. With Wasakachuk. Wasakachuk. Okay. So Wasakachuk is often the protagonist of these stories of the Cree. So like 90% of the Cree stories that I found Wasakachuk, mm-hmm. Wasakachuk. I'm probably pronouncing okay. it wrong again. So this was their guy. This was their guy. This is like, hey, Wasakachuk and the rabbit. Wasakachuk and the fish. He was used to explain curious aspects of the natural world or teach some important lesson, or to explain a certain cultural thing. So we do this because of that. We, we, this, this sound is because of what this happened. And a lot of stories are told this way. Mm-hmm. So once there was a Wendigo, and he made it his goal to eat every human 
in the world. He would attack every band he came across, destroying everything in his path. Man. Yeah. So this guy would just, just show a, up on a rampage. And he, yeah, that will have to picture. Remember the old video game rampage? Yeah. I pick, picture these dudes <laughs> just rolling in and just laying havoc on everything. And not only that, he's like ripping people's heads off. Like instead, it's eating everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And that was his goal. So he's like, hey, get the checklist out. What's your goal today? Wake up, work out. You know, gotta <laughs> gotta get some <laughs> lift some weights. Lift some and weights. We're gonna rip we're through gonna, some people. And then we're just gonna start slashing guys, right? Yeah. How this story describes it, he's a two-faced giant that eats the entrails of the people before devouring their flesh. He can shapeshift into creatures or objects, run faster than any human, and also has supernatural <clears throat> strength. Forget that noise. Yeah, that just sounds terrifying. So you're just hanging out with your family in your wigwam. You go outside to collect wood with your mom, and then you grab a branch and, well, bam, Wendigo in your face. Yeah, just a Wendigo. Follows you home and then kills everyone. Lays waste to your whole band. For no reason other than it wants to. He was so strong and scary and mean and evil and supernatural. Even Wasakachet is afraid of him. That's how scary he is. So the badass that is Wasakachet. Oh, even he was like, I don't want anything to do with this. He was like, nope, I'm out. After one attack, he found that 12 young men had escaped during the chaos. The Wendigo did. He chased after them, but they were too quick and moved too often before the Wendigo could catch them. These young men flew so quickly that they forgot their little brother. So they peaced out. Oh, God. Just imagine being that little kid. Gabe's, like, Gabe's a little brother. Yeah, I'm the youngest. He's so the youngest. Just imagine so. you're getting chased by a Wendigo or attacked and your family leaves. And you're like, what about me? Your whole band. Is <laughs> you got people's heads rolling. You got, he eats their entrails. So he's eating their guts first. Yeah. And then you're just like hiding under a, a piece of cloth or a body or something. Try not to get eaten. And your whole family dips. They're gone. They took off. So then they realized, uh, we forgot our little brother. So we got to go back. What do they do? They get back over there, and the Wendigo, they moved all over the place by then. So the Wendigo's just chasing them. So luckily, they get back, and their little brother, he's alive. Oh, look, he's alive. He's alive. So he made it. Brothers, they all take off again. So when you say the Wendigo, are you saying it's a single creature, or is it like a pack? No, in this story, it is the Wendigo. It is one. It is one entity that is... The Wendigo. Okay. So the Wendigo is chasing this band of brothers. And when they get back to the first location where the havoc was just, everything was wrecked. Mm -hmm. They picked up their little brother and they kept trekking. They're like, you know, we got to find a spot where this Wendigo guy can't find us. They keep taking off. They go. They find a good place far away. And they think that it's hidden from the Wendigo. As the older brothers were out hunting one day. The little brother, he was tasked to keep the fire going until they returned because he was the youngest and he was the smallest and he he couldn't go out and someone needed to keep the fire. Yeah. Now, these are all brothers. They didn't have any women with them. So one day, the little brother. <laughs> so I was going to say sausage party. Oh, God. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bet you the Wendigo was thinking sausage party. Am I yeah. right? Roast those suckers up. Oh. <laughs> so the younger brother was tending to the fire, and one day he stepped on a piece of firewood. And a splinter pierced his flesh on the bottom of his foot. Oh. So the little boy pulls the splinter out, 
and he throws it out of the door of the lodge. Well, moments later, the splinter transformed into a little crawling girl. Yeah. What? Imagine that crap. You step on a piece of wood, you pull this sucker out, throw it out your door, and then all of a sudden, you hear these creepy crawly, and there's a little girl crawling to your door. You're like, no. No, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I ain't about that. <laughs> the little boy, he says, I don't know how to take care of a little girl, and neither my brother. So he threw her out the house. No, oh, there you go. Get her out of here. <laughs> Chucked her out the house. That, <laughs> that was his reaction. His reaction wasn't, I'm scared. His reaction was, I don't want this responsibility, so get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> Kicks her out of the house. So moments after he kicked her out of the house, she came back into the lodge. Oh, God. But this time, she's walking. She was a baby, and now I'm assuming she's 10 years old. Yeah. Eight years old. She's walking into the lodge. And again, the boy says, nope, I can't take care of you. My brothers can't take care of you. We don't know how to take care of girls. So he throws her out the house again. He came back in again, right after that, a little older. And she says, big brother. And he doesn't even respond. He just, again, nope. Kicks, he does this three times. Kicks her out of the house three times. Okay. So finally, he thought, look, every time I kick her out of the house, she comes back in. And she's older. So he's putting two and two together. Right. So he's saying, well, maybe <laughs> if I throw her out this last time, she'll return as a young woman. And if she's a young woman... Then she's been sent to us by the spirits, and she'll be allowed to stay. The girl did return, and she was a young woman. So the young boy grabbed her hand and said, come sit down, big sister. And he gave her the name Burnt Stick, because she came from oh. the splinter that was from his foot. Okay. So when the brothers returned, they were thrilled to have a little a sister that could do woman work for them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They were like, oh, man, this is great. Good old woman Good work. Old wo I say that to my daughter, who's 10. I go, you got to go help mommy with woman work. She gets pissed. And I'm just messing with her. I don't care what kind of work you do. That's hilarious. Yeah, in my house, we split everything. I cook. I do the dishes. Wife does laundry. We split all the chores, and we're raising our kids the exact same way. But I find it so hilarious to piss off my 10-year-old daughter by saying, Go do woman work. Woman work. And my wife is totally on board with it. She goes, oh, I'm going to piss her off. And then she drops it. Hey, look, we got to do woman work. My daughter gets pissed. So this is this is pretty funny to me. Oh. So now at this time, Wasakachuk was staying with the brothers because he was afraid of the Wendigo and he saw them take off. So mm -hmm. he's like, I'm going with these guys. They seem to know what they're doing. So when Wasakachuk met Burntstick, he said, welcome, little sister. And now the brothers, they knew it was right for her to stay. Because now, big boss man said, hey, she's our little sister. Mm -hmm. Everyone accepted it. Yeah. Once you're accepted by the eldest, you're accepted. For a time, the brothers and Wasakachuk would fish and hunt, and Burnt Stick would sew, cook, and tan hides for them. And everyone was happy. Cool. So, so she's helping out. She's helping out. And not only, like, it sounds, you know, modern day woman work, but, mm -hmm. I mean, she literally the skinned the hides and tanned them and made clothes. Like, yeah, I don't think any quote unquote modern women are skinning a hide from a deer or anything. Yeah. That. Like that's some rough work. Yeah. Like that, like everyone's trying to pull their fair share. Just... I would be very impressed. if oh. My wife came home with a hide of a deer and was like, 
I made you this. All right, I'm letting her know. <laughs> <laughs> so it, you know, so everyone was putting pulling their their fair share um, in the lodge. Takachok knew that they had been in that location way too long, and that the Wendigo probably was figuring out where they were. Oh, so you got to keep moving. You got to keep moving. Okay. So One day, Wasakachuk told Burnt Stick that himself and the brothers had to leave for four days. They were out hunting. There was this, you know, they were out gather, getting stuff, getting some food. But they knew that they were going to have to move for four days. Mm-hmm. So he instructed her to collect firewood enough for four nights. And when she's collecting firewood, do not pick up anything else. Your goal is to get wood go back to the lodge, wait for four days, and we will come back. He also said that the Wendigo will try to trick you. And then you might hear voices asking to be let in, but it won't be us. We're going to come in when we come home. Mm -hmm. So if you hear cries and screams, that's not us. That's the Wendigo. I can just picture hearing, uh, just being tricked by the Wendigo like that. You're like, oh, maybe it's them. And it's, nope, you're dead. I know. I mean, picture being, I mean, we all remember COVID. So picture being at home, mm-hmm. but in this, without your spouse. Right. So you're alone. I'm sure plenty of you understand this. And you can't do anything. Now, this is a long time ago. So you're sitting at home, tending fire, cooking food, maybe talking to yourself, singing songs, mm-hmm. but you have to entertain yourself. After four days, you're driving yourself crazy. Yeah, you might get uh, like cabin fever or just be like i need to do something else or i'm gonna lose it right day three your brothers come back and you're like oh here they are you might lose your mind and he, he and the window is gonna get you mm-hmm. she did as she was told and on the second night she heard voices outside the lodge crying please we're dying let us in little sister but she didn't listen to it she listened to wasakacha and she did not let them in so on the fourth day the brothers returned and when she went outside and checked where the voices were around the lodge, there were no footprints. It was probably the side of the lodge or around. The brothers came right in. So she's circling the lodge. She finds no tracks other than her brother's tracks from hunting. It was clearly the Wendigo that was trying to get her. Yeah. So now we know the Wendigo is out there somewhere. Wasakachok was right. He had found where these people were. So later that day, after the brothers got home, she was out collecting firewood. When she forgot what was Sakachok warned her about. She saw the most beautiful feather on the ground and she picked it up. Oh, you messed up. You didn't listen. And all of a sudden, the Wendigo came out of the feather and said, I got you at last. You are young and you'll be a tasty dish when you have been fat. Oh, oh. So he liked them thick girls. Yeah. He said, put some meat on it. He was like, let's go to Cracker Barrel and get you a couple of. Uh... Turkey dinners that they got. Those are pretty good. <laughs> some extra biscuits on that. Put yeah. some butter on it. So he wanted to take, he threw her over his shoulder, took her back to his home where his grandmother lived. The Wendigo's grandmother. The Wendigo's grandmother. Huh. So the Wendigo's grandmother was there preparing his meals. He ate two men a day and his grandmother would cook them for him. So he told his grandmother, to fatten up burnt stick, and when she's fat and ready, she would cook her, and he would eat her. For a while, burnt stick lived with the Wendigo and his grandmother. God, that sucks. So the Wendigo would go out every day, 
kill men, bring the men home. The grandmother's ch- skinning them, chopping them up, Ugh. feeding them, putting them in a pot. The Wendigo comes home, eats his meals. And he's just licking his chops every time he sees burnt stick because she's getting fatter <laughs> and fatter. He told his grandmother to prepare dinner for him one day, and he left the house. He also told her, when I come back, I want to eat burnt stick. So now this is the day. He's like, have her ready. When I get back, I'm yeah, feasting I, on my meal. I've, I've, been, I've been savoring this. I've been looking forward to it for months. But I'm going to eat her. The grandmother, she became real fond of burnt stick. And she didn't want to eat her. She didn't want him to eat her. So she told burnt stick to kill her instead and throw her into the pot as a distraction. So the grandmother told burnt stick that after she had placed her in the pot to run towards the four hills, and when you're over the fourth hill, you will see an iron house. You must knock on the door and say, Big brother, help me. The Wendigo wants to eat me. So, Burnstick grabs the axe and hacks Grandma on the forehead. Skins her, chops her up, throws her in the pot, and takes off towards the four hills. As she was running towards the hills, well, who's coming home? The Wendigo. So, the Wendigo comes home, and he sees the pots on the fire. And he is ready to eat. He starts digging in a big bowl of grandma, not knowing that it's grandma. He thinks it's burnt stick. He thinks it's burnt stick. He figures out that he's eating grandma. So now, he's pretty upset. I, As anybody should. He he made me eat my grandma. (laughs) This is some South Park crap. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what's going on. And now I'm pissed. Well, remember, the Wendigo, he could run faster than any human mm-hmm. he's stronger he's bigger this wendigo is a is a giant he has two faces i don't i mean one was probably sad and one was pissed i guess i'm yeah. assuming he was he wasn't he wasn't too happy about that Mm-mm. so as burnstick was running for her life the wendigo started chasing her after he got home he was so furious and screamed burnstick you cannot get away from me i will follow you everywhere and anywhere to eat you. Burnt Stick was tired when she reached the fourth hill, and she could see the Wendigo closing in fast. So she already had like a half a day journey ahead of him. Well, I'm sure she's been tired because she's been held hostage. She's been getting fattened up. So she's just been inside this whole time. I know. She should have been on the elliptical or doing Stairmaster or something. (laughs) I mean, she needed to... She she didn't have the energy to just run. Right. She's over the fourth hill, and she finally sees the Iron House. So she runs down the hill, gets to the bottom, and starts banging on the door, screaming, let me in, let me in. And the door didn't open. Oh. She's thinking, uh-oh, I messed up. Because mm-hmm. she could see the Wendigo behind her. He's closing in now. He's on the top of the hill already uh-huh. coming down at her. So then she remembered what the grandmother said. She screamed, big brother, help me. The Wendigo wants to eat me. As soon as she said that, the door opened. The, and the man said, sister-in-law, come sit. By this time, the Wendigo was almost to the open door, ready to pounce, when the young man grabbed an axe, chopped the head off the Wendigo. Oh, he killed it. So just like that. Just cut his head off, and it was like, all right. Yeah. 
And, <laughs> and that was it, folks. So, <laughs> oh, God. No, there's more. Now, Burnt Stick was safe, and she decided to stay with the young man and his wife for a while to recover from all everything that's happened. So now she's like, okay, I got to... I'm going to, I'm going to help you guys around the house. I got to do some squats. I got to do <laughs> some lunges. I'm going to start powerlifting. Like she's like, she got to burn that weight off Yeah, and just recover mentally. I mean, it's something you got to do. So one day the young man said, your brothers miss you and you need to return home. So she was ready to leave. The young man told her of the dangers that she will face on her journey. One from an evil man that climbs on trees and jumps onto women, crushing their bones. He's just jumping on women. He sees a woman and he's like, oh, there she is. Jumps on top of her and crushes her. And that's it? And there you go. He's like, all right, well, I've crushed my three women today. I'm yeah. going to go home. I mean, he got home probably that day and said, man, I crushed it. <laughs> the thing was, was that this man, he only attacked women weird burnstick was dressing in men's clothing she packed provisions and went on her way so they're like we know the trick just mm-hmm. dress like a dude stay far away from this guy yeah you won't be he won't get you hopefully he doesn't see that you're he doesn't see you or he sees that you're a man and he doesn't bother you but after some time she was met by the evil man well he saw that she was a man and he offered to give her some food at his house and she could replenish her supplies. <laughs> well, if she says no, it's going to be suspicious. So she's trying to keep this ruse going. So on the journey back to the house, the man figured out that Burnt Stick wasn't a man. That she was a girl. Obviously, all she did was put on men's clothing. Yeah, it's not like she pulled a Mulan and like cut her hair. And... No, she didn't have a whole montage of training and battle. She didn't do any of that. <laughs> Burnstick kind of figured out that, you know, the jig was up. Mm-hmm. They they got her. Okay. But as of right now, the man was playing along like she was a man. So, oh, so she, he knew, but he was like, all right, I'm going to pretend yeah. I don't know. Exactly. Okay. She found this big stick as they were walking. And she picked it up and started using it as a cane. As they reached the evil man's house, the evil man told her to go inside. Because he wanted to shock her. Inside the house were the crushed, broken women he jumped on. So this guy would jump on women, and as they're broken and crushed, he would drag them into his house, and he would laugh at them. He would yell at them. Ew. He, yeah, this guy's a, he's a creep. He's crazy. So while she was inside of the house, he climbed into a large tree right outside of his door. And he's waiting. He's thinking she's going to run out screaming. As soon as they are screaming, Mm -hmm. I'm pouncing. She's another one of my victims. It's such a weird thing to do. I want to jump on you and crush you. And that's that's where I get my, like, ha-ha, I did it again. Hey, (laughs) guy had a plan. Uh, I get his plan. I guess, right? Weird. Burnt Stick kind of figured out what was going on. Because these young women, some of them were alive. And they were telling her that this man is the man who jumps on women. Mm. So she grabbed that wooden stick that she had. Mm -hmm. And she said, let it be iron. And it turned to an iron stick. How does that work? (laughs) 
You're asking this question. <laughs> she came from a splinter in a boy's foot. That does make sense. Okay. Sure, she said Hazan. It turned into it, an iron it was stick. an iron stick. Okay. Well, as soon as she went outside, she stabbed that stick right into the earth and jumped back in the house, and the man was impaled right into the stick. Oh, got him. Got him. He died right there on the stick. Good. So Burnstick returned to the evil man's home, and she healed all the broken women that were in there and resurrected the dead ones. Oh, she's a hero. She's a hero. She asked 10 of the women if they would go back with her to her brothers and be their wives. Oh. So now she's all like. Score. Yeah. She's like, hey, I got to go back to my brothers. Look, they're hunters. I mean. They're lonely. They're a little stinky. These guys hunt. Yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll, they bring the meat. Mm-hmm. They're not into jumping on women. That's not their thing. Yeah. You won't get jumped. You won't, you won't get crushed. You won't get. Yeah. So, you, won't, you won't get crushed. But 10 of the women agreed. Uh, to go back with her, and they headed back home. When Burnt Stick arrived with the women, she saw her brothers mourning, saying, The Wendigo has eaten our little sister. She's dead. She ran towards her brothers, saying, I'm alive, and the Wendigo is dead. So she's like, Nuh-uh, got you. I brought you these women to be your wives. The brothers celebrated and had a large wedding. So they got ten brothers, ten weddings. It's like wow. that seven brides for seven brothers. Or yeah. So, I don't know, everyone, so big old party. And a few days after the wedding, Burnt Stick told her brothers, I must leave now. For I'm, I'm not human, and my father wants me home. I will turn into a deer, and in that form, I will leave you. I've finished my, the work that I was sent to do. And she dipped. She turned into a deer and bolted. That's oh. it. That's the story. That, she turned into a deer. A deer. And then just frolicked away into the forest. Never to be heard Never of again. Never to be. Wow. Yeah, so that's the story of Burnt Stick and the Wendigo. You can see in this story with the Wendigo, he seems to be a single entity that can obviously be harmed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he can be killed, and he he was killed. He can be killed and was killed. That is just very interesting that, yeah, so she brought these women back for her brothers, got some wives, got some celebration going on and then she's like i gotta go see you later she was out that's the story of burnt stick and the wendigo interesting right that's the first story that we we have for you guys is there anything any more comments you have on that Mm, i just think that's that was a very cool story i've never heard that i never heard of burnt stick until you brought it up and um what was the hero's name what uh the hero uh, oh wasaka chop wasaka chop Okay, it's, I never heard of that we, either. We saw he chop. We saw he chop. Mm-hmm. You gave kind of a rundown of the Wendigo. I have a little bit of a different description of this creature. It is said that the Wendigo was once a great hunter that was lost in a brutal winter storm, and his intense hunger turned him to cannibalism. After tasting human flesh, he transformed into a crazed beast that searches the forest for someone to eat. Like we said earlier, stories vary from, depending on who you ask, different people believe different things. So it was just this random dude who was hunting Mm -hmm. and ended up eating someone? He got lost in a winter storm, and because he was hungry, he was like, all I have left is cannibalism. (laughs) 
So he probably found a frozen dude, probably, and was like, let's have at it. Yeah. And, and then he decided it was delicious. Mm-hmm. He liked it. And he liked it. <laughs> he liked it. Okay. And um, some who have encountered the Wendigo have compared it to Bigfoot or even a werewolf uh, standing at around 15 feet tall. He is often described as emaciated, which I didn't know what that meant. So I had to look it up like a, like a ding dong. Uh, it means abnormally thin or emaciated weak. emaciated yeah not emaciated 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 the french word for emaciated oh god <laughs> it means abnormally thin or weak especially because of illness or lack of food so it it didn't look you know it's not like a giant buff creature or so in the first story it seemed um like the wendigo was this large hulking beast of a creature yeah that was described as a giant with two faces and Mm -hmm. seemed that it was getting larger every time it would eat maybe even it didn't describe how tall it was but it did seem to have maybe an extra long stride or something Mm -hmm. so the description that you're talking about Mm -hmm. in this new story is that it's this emaciated giant creature yeah not you know not this hulking beast that's just giant it's very sickly looking skinny you can see its ribs like its shoulder blades are sticking oh, out wow, okay it just looks so maybe, so maybe that's why he's always hungry maybe uh and also uh, because of lack of food its only way to satisfy its hunger is by eating human flesh and i have another description here from a Native American author named either Basil or Basil H. Johnston in his book, Manicious, The Spiritual World of the Ojibwe. His description goes like this. The Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation. Its desitiated skin pulled tightly over its bones. With its bones pushing out over its skin, its complexion the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back into its sockets, the wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disintered from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody, unclean and suffering from separations of the flesh. The wendigo gave off strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition, of death and corruption. It sounds like a busted ass vampire. That's <laughs> yeah, what it sounds like, yeah, right? Pretty much. Emaciation, the gaunt look, the uh the pale death skin. I mean, other than from what you hear of vampires, they have those juicy lips. Mm-hmm. They got that oh ooh, they got that, that nice contouring going. Your team but, Edward. Uh, well hey, they sparkle. <laughs> they, they have that good that good that good good skin. Yeah. So they got all the makeup going. Like the story you told. The ability to make a mimic a person's voice and lure them into the woods, that's another trait that a lot of people say it has. But unlike other carnivorous creatures, the Wendigo isolates its prey and then strikes. So, Oh, okay. So they're trying to get them. This Wendigo wants to get them alone. Yeah, it's not like looking for a group of people and just ripping through them. It's like, I'm going to lure this single person out, get them, like, uh, trick them to get alone. 
and just have at it. Yeah, rip right through. So he is also believed to be the cause of many missing people among the tribes in Canada. Another name for the Wendigo is the evil spirit that devours mankind. Some call him that because they believe he has the power to curse humans by possessing them, and he can get into their mind and turn them into a Wendigo. Oh, a so, little bit of a, um, what's that tall, creepy guy's name? Mm, Jeff Goldstein. Oh, Jeff Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Jeff Goldstein. It wasn't Slender Man I was thinking of. It was okay. Jeff Goldstein. That's the one. Correct. Hey, Jeff mm-hmm. Goldstein. He'll get you. Yeah. Yeah. He was the fly. Oh. Yeah, it was a good movie. Great movie. Great stop motion. <laughs> now, when it comes to cryptids, myths, or legends, some people see them as only that. They will rationalize it and come up with an explanation to turn it into something that it isn't. Some have said the Wendigo just reflects real-life problems like selfishness, greed, uh, violence, and negative behavior. There's a term in some cultures that is called turning Wendigo. Pretty much refers to self-destruction rather than literally becoming a Wendigo. So it's like, say you're just like this horrible person, you're greedy, you're selfish, or like, oh, like you have the Wendigo spirit. Oh, you're, so you're, you're, just, a, you're an 80 stockbroker. So you got yeah. all the money going, you're doing blow, <laughs> yeah. and here we go. He's turning wind to go. Here nope. he goes. Got to pump those numbers up, son. Yeah, exactly. Some anthropologists think Native Americans used the story of the Wendigo to explain violence done to them by European colonizers, comparing the fear and panic to the Salem witch trial, which I think is complete BS. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, they're just like... um, you're trying to cope with what happened and you created the Wendigo. That makes sense. I'm not buying. No. <laughs> okay. Now, now let's get into this story of Swift Runner. Picture it. December 20th, 1879, Alberta, Canada. Beautiful weather. Children playing. Farmers are shuffling their flock of moose across the field, and then bam, a hanging. The people of Alberta witnessed their first ever hanging, a Cree Native American man by the name of Swift Runner was at the end of that rope. He was charged and hanged for killing and eating his entire family. But did he? I don't know. I mean, sometimes I get pretty pissed off. I'm not <laughs> going to where you want to kill you. No, 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 no. I was going to say, I've never been that (laughs) pissed off. And I, hopefully it, it, I'm going to say it right now. Not hopefully. It's never going to happen. That's kind of, I hope not. You're going to, oh God, here we go. I'm documented right now. (laughs) Okay. So Uh, he claimed that it wasn't him, but it was the evil spirit known as the Wendigo. So I don't know if that, it could be a scapegoat. It could be this guy really thought this happened it could have happened i mean we'll get into it right now okay so born in alberta and i'm gonna butcher this cree name but his cree name was kaki sikuchin aka swift runner was popular among the cree people he stood at six feet and three inches tall 
Oh, so he's a big dude. Yeah, he's big. He's a big guy. I mean, I'm... Especially in, in 18... What was that? 1890? Uh, 1879. 1879. I mean, that's a that's a large stout man back then. Yeah, because I think the average height was around like 5'6", maybe? Yeah, I believe something around there, yeah. Yeah, and we're tall, but to be 6'3", that's pretty big. He was a father to six children, so he didn't waste no time there. Well, hey, <laughs> aren't we all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, some in the community called him a giant of a man. He was a trapper and a guide for the North Northwest Mounted Police, otherwise known as Mounties. The, okay, so so far it seems like this is just a normal fella, big guy. Mm -hmm. He's a good hunter, trapper. Yeah, and he was he was well. Well liked, seemed like a good dude, and he was also helping the the Mounties in in the eighteen seventies. I mean, sounds like a good guy. Yeah, he was helping them. He was guiding them through the wilderness whenever they needed to go by. Like he was their guy. We, as native people, you know the old stereotype of having a few too many every now and again. <laughs> the old drink, drink. Well, yeah, I'm guilty. <laughs> and uh, this guy, he didn't help with that stereotype. He developed a taste for whiskey. Oh man, oh. I, I I love a good yeah. Whiskey. I mean, which isn't as bad as it sounds. Yeah. I I like a good whiskey once in a while. Got a Canadian whiskey. I like oh, a good Canadian whiskey. Yeah. That makes some good whiskey. Yeah, but Swift Runner was an angry drunk. He would become more violent, which caused problems not only in his personal life but with the mounted police as well. Well, yeah, I would say that because I mean, such a large man. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, like, you're six foot three. I mean, you're drinking whiskey all day. Somebody says the wrong thing. You pick them up and throw them like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to look good. It's not going to look good at all. No. Your, your reputation's definitely going to take a little bit of a dip. A yeah, a little bit. So he was fired from working with the police. They didn't want anything to do with them. They said, you're drinking too much. You're causing too many problems. You know, we could find somebody else. Not only that, his tribe felt the same way. They kicked him out of the community. Everyone just said, you're the town drunk. You're causing too many problems. You know, you and your family just need to get as far away from us as possible. His family stayed with him. It was just the community. Oh, no. Now it's bad because he's a violent drunk. He's a large man. He yeah, so now he has kids. his wife, his six kids, and his mother-in-law. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, so that, that, okay, so another bottle of whiskey. Here oh, we go. Oh, God, here we go. And some sources say his uh, younger brother lived with him as well. Is Are there any reports on how large his younger brother was? I couldn't find any, but. Okay, if, I was going to say, if there's two large yeah. men that are slamming whiskey <laughs> with this entire family. Then it's just. Oh, God, you're asking for trouble. For a good time. Yeah, okay, well. <laughs> So, in the winter of 1878, he took his entire family, which included his six children, his wife, his mother-in-law, and, like I said, his bro his, some source to say his brother, uh, he took him into the forest to hunt and gather supplies. And they were planning to stay there from winter all the way to spring, so a few months. So, months later, after the winter's passed and spring has come around, Swift Runner was the only one to return back to everyone else. He staggered into a nearby Catholic mission 
And when the priest asked where his family was or asked what was wrong, he said, and I quote, my entire family is dead. And a lot of people said his attitude toward it was kind of like, meh, like they're dead. And this kind of bit him in the butt too. Uh, So when word got around that his family didn't come back with him, it certainly raised questions, especially within the community where some of his wife's family still lived. He gets excommunicated. He loses his job. um, He's known as the local drunk. I mean, he doesn't, so far he's not having a good. Yeah, he hasn't scored any points (laughs) with anyone in this community. Yeah, he's not having a good track record. Right, so as far as they can tell, the family didn't come back, you did it. Mm Mm-hmm. The and end. then, yeah, he takes his his takes his entire family into the wilderness during winter, comes back alone. Something's up, is what the community's thinking. So they noticed that when he came back alone, he looked very well fed. He didn't look sick. He wasn't injured. He just looked completely normal. Just a few pounds heavier than when he left. Probably, he probably had. I mean, we. Native Americans, we can't really grow that much facial hair, but I imagine he had a little bit of stubble, maybe. I don't know if his father-in-law stayed behind or other family members, but they were concerned, to say the least. And they pushed the police to investigate, to see what was going on, which they did. Swift Runner took the mounted police out where they were camped, which was north of Fort Saskatchewan, Alberta. So when they got there, he showed the police the grave of his eldest son, and when they opened the grave, they found bones, but the bones were undisturbed. So it was just like a normal grave. Okay, so they opened the grave. It looks like someone laid the bones in there, laid the body in there. Yeah. So critters didn't get in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So undisturbed. Undisturbed. But all around the campsite, there were human bones scattered everywhere. Some of the bones were broken in half, and hollowed out. Oh, so you're sucking on that good marrow. Oh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh-oh, here we go. And they also found a pot that had human fat in it. Like a cooking pot with human fat. Oh, he ate them. <laughs> so he's over there making some stew. And I don't I don't know how he explained this. So, I couldn't find how he explained that part. I told you to get the firewood. <laughs> you didn't get the firewood. Yeah. I will rip your arm off and stir my pot. Mm-hmm. So now, like you said, if, we're, if you're not familiar with hunting or if you're not like a big meat eater, you might not know this, but hollowed out bones usually means somebody or something opened up the bones and they ate the marrow out. They sucked the marrow out, which I've heard is actually really good. You've never had bone marrow? No. Oh. I'm, I've heard it's like. I, I don't want to say this, delectable. but I'm going to say it. Because it's, it's kind of fatty. No, yes, it is. But, but you can, like, spread it on stuff? Yeah, I, I hate this term, but I'm going to say it anyway. People refer to it as meat butter. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's oily, it's greasy. Yeah. You could spread it on toast. So a lot of times you order it in, a, like, a nice restaurant. It'll have... So does it depend on, like, the, the cut of the meat? Or just the bone in general? It's the bone. You want, like, a, a good grass-fed... So human bone marrow would be, <laughs> I don't know. Cause this was human bone marrow. Well, I had a buddy named marrow. Well, facts, facts. <laughs> he has bones. Okay. I believe you. I think he's still alive. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> I hope you're out there. Hey, marrow, if you're still alive, <laughs> let's send a, 
Send us a message. Send us a message. <laughs> Hopefully your bones are still intact. Yeah. So upstate New York. Huzzah. <laughs> so as they continued to look around the campsite, Swift Runner identified one of the skulls as quote unquote his wife. And another skull that belonged to his mother in law. Which is kind of weird to be like, that's my wife's skull. That's my mother-in-law's skull. I can tell you right now, <laughs> I would not be able to identify a skull. I wouldn't. I'd be like, I don't know, her head, I guess. She kind of had a big head. Yeah, well, I mean, if, yeah, if you had a giant head, I guess you'd be able to be like, that. yeah, she had a big head. That was her. Oh, I could tell because her jaw, she just had this chiseled <laughs> jaw. And yep. She was, a, she was a handsome woman. She was a very handsome woman. Yeah. So his mother-in-law's skull, uh, there was a moccasin, a tiny moccasin, like a child-sized moccasin, stuffed inside of it, which goes unexplained. That was another thing. I couldn't find a reason to explain it, why it was in there, how it got in there. It is not looking good for Swift Runner. It is not. So, and... It, so it didn't take much effort from the police to get him to talk about what happened. He was pretty much an open book. He said it started when he was being haunted by dreams that the, from the Wendigo spirit and that it called to him and told him to consume everyone around him. He said the spirit dug its way into his mind and gradually took control until he finally transformed into an actual Wendigo. He would refer to the Wendigo, but he would speak speak about it like in the third person. So he would he would say the Wendigo made me do this. At the same time, saying the Wendigo possessed him. So he would say like the Wendigo, but he's referring to himself. Oh, okay. So that's another thing that hmm. would make the police be like, "What are you talking about? Are you talking about the something else, or you?" Guilty. <laughs> Charge him. <laughs> he explained to the police what happened. This is what he said. He said the Wendigo killed and ate his wife and forced his son to butcher his younger brother. And then hung his infant by the neck from the lodge pole and tugged at the baby's dangling feet. Then later, after eating his mother-in-law, he said the Wendigo looked at him and, quote, said... She was a bit tough, unquote. <laughs> well, he's flaming his mother-in-law up after he killed her. Come on, man. You can't so, be doing that. Let the she old was lady a, lie. Yeah, she was a bit <laughs> tough. She could have used some Salisbury uh, steak sauce or something like that. Some A1? Some A, yeah, or that. Salisbury. Salisbury. You don't like Salisbury steak? School Salisbury steak. Kind of fire. A little bit. After Swiftfoot telling this to the police explaining to them what happened. You could say they were confused. They didn't want to react in a certain way to send him into like a murderous frenzy. Cause they, I mean, he's a giant man. So they had to process everything what he was saying. But one thing they knew for sure was that he didn't revert to cannibalism out of risking starvation. And I say this because only 25 miles away was Hudson's Bay Post where emergency food supplies were ready for anyone to take within the community. And I say only 25 miles, but 
that isn't a short trip in that time, but even by horse. But if the family were risking starvation or anything like that, they needed help, they could have easily went to this post and got emergency supplies and they could have been fine. Right. And this man already, it's been established that he's a hunter, he's a trapper. Yeah. So he's not your average modern day. He's not me. <laughs> yeah. Like a fish, but that's about it. There you go. I'm, I'm a little tougher than him, but uh, he's not your average. I have very soft hands is what he's yeah. trying to say. <laughs> yeah. So in the police's head, they're not buying it. They're like, this guy could have avoided the situation if he's, if he's going the way of, I had to survive, you know, they're, they're not buying that scenario, but they're also not buying that he was possessed by some evil spirit either because he kept saying that he actually thought he became a Wendigo. He's letting the Mounties know Mm -hmm. that he in fact did eat. Yeah. He's not denying it at all. He's flat. He's right out saying it. He's like, this happened, but it wasn't me. It was the Wendigo. his, His defense is that the Wendigo made me do it. Yeah. Something that, the police and even some of the well more of the community but some of the police were even considering was a thing called uh wendigo psychosis now wendigo psychosis is characterized as having delusions of becoming a flesh-eating monster and it's said to be a psychiatric disorder that causes you to crave human flesh and become very violent so if you ever wanted to eat somebody or take a bite out of somebody, maybe you just had a little bit of window psych- Wendigo psychosis. <laughs> but it, it, it wasn't something they took serious. It was just a thought. May 27th of 1879, the, pol- the police arrested him. And which this sucks too. They hauled him along with the remains of his dead family. So he's I don't, probably in a carriage. They probably had all the bones and everything back there. So even if this guy did this out of just being an angry drunk, I mean, it's still probably not fun to have your dead family back there with you going, going to jail. I mean, talk about a bad day, (laughs) a bad, a bad, a bad season, I guess. So, um, yeah, they hauled him along with the remains of his family to Fort Saskatchewan where he would wait and be tried and eventually hung. And they didn't play around back then. I mean, the verdict came down, and usually you were dead. Yeah, there wasn't, like, the jury where there's, like, well, maybe. No, it was, like, everyone's, like, oh, he did it. And that was it. It was pretty black and And, white back then. There wasn't any gray areas. And they got the rope out, and you you were done. We'll get to that. That's a funny story that happens to this. We'll get to that. The jury included three English-speaking Cree members, which they called quote-unquote, and I don't like this term, but it's half-breeds. Four Cree members who were well-spoken in the native language, and a Cree man who was there to translate the proceedings. So it was all Cree on the jury. They were trying to give him what they would consider a fair trial by not having Canadians who are not Cree the white man judge him. Right, that's what it looks like. Well, I mean, that seems kind of fair for the time. Yeah. Swift Runner, he sat calmly and without remorse while witnesses claimed the family left full of life. And it was just very weird 
that he came back alone. There was even rumors around the town saying that he developed a taste for human flesh years back when he was forced to eat the remains of his hunting partner in order to save his own life. But I couldn't find any solid source on that, so I think that might have also been just a rumor. And also, there was no evidence presented in his defense at all. So, it was pretty much him versus the world. But it kind of seemed like he really didn't care. That's the kind of, that's what I got to. Because when they asked if he wanted to say anything, he did. And he simply stood up and said, and I quote, I did it. It took only 20 minutes for the jury to convict him. And he was sentenced to death. This whole trial, everything was a mess, to say the least. The Alberta police had no idea what they were doing. They had never conducted an execution before. So this was the very first execution they ever conducted. And some even say the Catholic priests added fuel to the fire because Swift Runner refused to talk to the priests or accept their counsel. He didn't want anything to do with them, and they took it as, well, he must be guilty then, and they called him the unrepentant cannibal. Yeah, and their, um, I would say, opinion held very high back then. It still does, but I mean, I, I would imagine if a Catholic priest said something about you back then, it would be looked at as like, oh, that's solid evidence. Thank you, Father Gunahan, or whatever your name is. Father Goulahan. Goulahan, which was weird because they were in Canada. You're going to get a lot of but, shit for that. <laughs> okay. So when the gallows were erected in the Fort Square and the sheriff, whose name was Sheriff Richard, that was the only name I could find, Sheriff Richard. Good old Dick. Good old Dick. Sheriff Dick. <laughs> he hired a man who was paid $50 to be the hangman for the day. Oh, so that's a good gig. That, yeah, that's what I just, yeah, I wrote that down. So it sounds like a pretty good gig. Jeez, imagine. And this guy was like an old, uh, <laughs> I was going to say Vietnam vet. He was an old military veteran that wasn't working. And the sheriff was just like, hey, you want to make 50 bucks today? He's like, yeah, what do I got to do? You just, you just got to be the hangman for today. Yeah, I'm not saying no to that. I'm sorry. Um, So roughly around 60 people gathered. For this execution, tensions were high because literally none of them seen a hanging before. This never happened in Saskatchewan. That's on the the record. So it could have happened like frontier justice where they just took somebody out and hung them, but never like in a courtroom, you're sentenced to hang. This was the first time. Some were nervous, some were excited. Even the hangman was nervous. And he didn't know what to expect. He just he was just like, hey, I'm going to make $50, so let's go for it. I don't know if I would watch a hanging. I guess back then, you, there's not really much going on entertainment-wise. You ain't got no, your, no Nintendo. I'm watching a hanging. So if they're like, hey, we're hanging Jim Bob at 3 o'clock. Be there, be square. I'm taking the first horse over there to go watch it. There you go. He ain't too swift now, is he? Yeah. <laughs> so the execution was to take place at 7.30 a.m. on December 20th. Now, this, this part made me laugh. With less than half an hour before the hanging, 
it was found out that the crowd had taken the trap from under the gallows. So the little trap door that opens right. up, they took it off and they just threw it in the firewood and it started making a fire because they were cold and it was taking too long. <laughs> so they ripped off the door, little trap door. So what is he standing on? Well, he's not there yet. This is just, they're like waiting for it to happen. So he hasn't been, been brought out yet. Oh, so this is an event. Yeah, they're, they're, they got their popcorn ready. They got their churros. Well, they got churros. Okay. Yeah, they got churros. Okay. So with less than half an hour before it's about to start, they took the trap doors off, started burning them. And the hangman also forgot to bring the straps to bind the prisoner because he's never done this before. <laughs> so yeah, he's like, hey, I got $1,500. You just showed up. I thought this was your job. Yeah, he just showed up and he's like, all right, what are we doing? And they're like, do you, do you got the... The, like the cuffs and he's like no ah so he's all um do i take that out of my pay yeah. or he's all, do i get compensated or do i get osha involved do or I like do what's going on report how is this happening how yeah, do i so, get uh refunded so it's a big mess so the sheriff sheriff dick or richard and the hangman are scrambling around trying to figure out what to do they're trying to fix the gallows and to get everything ready well, Swift Runner, he's just chilling. He's hanging out by the fire. He's even eating snacks. And he's even he's even making jokes. And all of this is being done while he has a noose around his neck. And he's just hanging out. He's having the time of his life. Snapping drumsticks like, <laughs> yeah. man, I wish he tastes this good. Even one of the jokes that he's been quoted by saying, he said, I could kill myself with a tomahawk and just save the hangman any further trouble. <laughs> this guy was ready to go yeah he was just like well i can just do it if i mean you He's guys like, aren't ready so you guys don't seem to know what's going on you're not very competent <laughs> okay hey give me your tomahawk yeah i mean he's not bound he got the wendigo crazies yeah he got the old wendigos the wendigo crazies <laughs> you got the wendigo crazies we got to put that on a t-shirt slap it on a flip-flop <laughs> <laughs> new band name yeah. wendigo crazies <laughs> So two, so it's been two hours, two hours after he was led to the gallows. So it took Sheriff Dick and the hangman that they hired two hours to figure everything out, try to get the gallows ready and everything ready to proceed. He was allowed to eat one final meal, which was a pound of pemmican. You know what pemmican is? <laughs> no, but I was <laughs> thinking he was, what's your last meal? Well... <laughs> That boy's a little fat. <laughs> no, you son of a bitch. He's not from the south. Well, I'll have why. whatever I, she's I having. I don't know why it sounded like that. <laughs> but he's a well, that chunky boy over there. Imagine. He got some meat on him. I mean, why not? He's dying anyways. No, the, the little boy can't. <laughs> oh, my God. So, okay. Pemicon, it's a mixture of dried meat and berries so it looks like those like weird healthy fruit bars that are like they look black they look purple and black so a pound of that was his last meal oh and he loved it apparently oh i bet you hipsters would love to be back then. oh they would Ooh, their farts would that. not smell <laughs> great but they would be healthy <laughs> hey put it in my backpack we're gonna go hiking around uh pothole dome Oh, Pothole Dome. Pothole Dome, my favorite dome. Beautiful place. We went there a few months ago. Wonderful. Yeah. So it looks like though, yeah, so it looks like those weird healthy snacks. So they tied his hands, led him to the gallows, placed a black hood over his head, 
and he, so he was offered to spend one his last night with the priests and he refused and when he was asked why he said and i quote the white man has ruined me i don't think their god could amount to much end quote and this pissed a lot of people off i find it very interesting that they're analyzing what this man is saying when he is a crazy looney tunes psychopath who murdered and ate his entire family. So you don't think it was the Wendigo? So you're no. <laughs> so you're going to get pissed at him for not speaking to your priest. You don't like our Bible, but <laughs> shouldn't you be more upset that he ate his entire family and has no remorse? Yeah, but he didn't he didn't pay his dues to the priest. Okay. Well, he didn't give him the old kiss the ring and he didn't give it the old college try. You know, Got yeah, it. Apparently, that's how they seen it. So the hangman pulled the lever, and he dropped five feet where he hung until he was dead. Some say he died without any struggle, while others say he died fearfully and with fearful force, whatever that means. The body was cut down, and an hour after hanging, they buried him in the snow outside of the fort. That's a way to go. Yeah, I mean... Five... I mean, is that normal? Five feet? Dropping? Um, there's a calculation um, that... There's a formula about how tall you are and how... Oh, yeah, he was a big man. I to, would think, like, I mean, two feet... Well, they need enough thing. to snap your neck. That's what they're trying to do, is snap your neck. Mm-hmm. So then you're just dead. So you just, as soon as you go down, you're just done. If you don't, if the rope's not long enough and you fall, you'll just strangle. And then there's just more to clean up. Mm -hmm. They don't care if you suffer because you're going to die. You should die probably anyway. They're worried so, about the custodian. Like, yeah, he's got to put like, his rubber boots yeah, on. This guy, and... now we got to pay him time and a half. Yeah. Now it's hitting golden hour over here. <laughs> it's double time. This guy's worked a whole shift. Yeah. We're going to have to start paying benefits. The crown's after us. I mean, come on, guys. Wow, so, that was an interesting story. Well, no, I'm not. Hold on. Oh, wow. Hold there's on. more. Wait, there's yeah. more. So Sheriff Dick, he said, quote, those who attended the hanging were satisfied with what they saw. Nobody cared. Well, they did care, but they cared in a way of like, okay, he's dead. So we're happy. And one man was quoted saying, and I couldn't, I, I searched and searched. I couldn't find who said this. I don't know if it's real. It, but quote. Boys, <laughs> hold on, I'm going to do an accent. <laughs> so one man was quoting saying, boys, it was the prettiest hanging I've ever seen. And he slapped his thigh. See, unquote. Um, <laughs> Canadians out there. Um, again, we're from California. Yeah, so do you sound like that? So I know you don't sound no, like so that. So 1879, who would have said? But in our stupid, twisted American minds. Boys, eh? He was that was the prettiest thing I ever seen. Everyone from <laughs> nineteen twenty, all the frontier and and older, mm -hmm. they sound like that in my head. You all sound like you just dip, and you got spit cup, and and some of them probably do. Good old boys. I mean, well, it's fun. So yeah, he said, boys, it was the prettiest hanging I ever seen. He slapped his thigh. And a newspaper at the time was quoted writing, his contact with the white men is what ruined him. 
But to his dying day, he claims it was the Wendigo spirit. That it wasn't him. It was the Wendigo spirit who possessed him, that haunted his dreams, that forced him to do these things, and that he wasn't to blame, but it was the Wendigo. So, Swift Runner, he was once known as a smart, trustworthy man with a great reputation, giant man, I'm pretty sure he was a looker, six feet three, six foot three inches, I mean, women were probably like, look at that. Yeah, average guy around that time was probably roughly five foot seven. Yeah, they were little guys. He helped the police, um, he guided them through the Alberta wilderness, I mean, it it seems like he was doing a lot of good, so we'd love to hear what you guys think, I mean... Was it just he was just an unlucky man who had the misfortune of encountering a Wendigo? Was it his community or his peers like that kind of influenced him? Nope. It was him. He killed everyone. <laughs> I'm glad he's dead. It's definitely a mystery. It's not a mystery. It's he a went mystery. and killed his whole family and ate them. It's a mystery. It's not a mystery. <laughs> But the bone marrow is just, oh, you, hey. can, you can put it on bread. Oh, man. You can put it on. Oh, so he was practicing for Iron Chef. Yeah. He thought that was going to be the next secret ingredient. Yeah. Cause some Your pe- family. Yeah, because some people in the community did think he was just a guy who had a drinking problem and he just, he let it get too far. So you could either say that or the Wendigo got him. I would like to believe he wasn't a, he, he, it was the Wendigo. I don't know. The Wendigo got him. Okay, everyone. So you can write (laughs) us at info at thehillnetwork.com. Yes. And tell Gabriel how full of shit he is. (laughs) Let me have it. Because there is no way I'm sympathizing with the man who ate his entire (laughs) damn family and blame the Wendigo. But the mother-in-law just wouldn't shut up. Oh, God. She kept on with, you had a job with the police, and you had to let it get too far. You liked whiskey too much. Oh, jeez. You had to pull the Wendigo card. No, that is not what happened. <laughs> okay. So, those are our stories today. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Come back next week. Please like, subscribe on all your platforms that you find us at. Uh, we will be doing... One episode per week. Yeah, we're going to do our best. We're going to do our best. We're going to, again, this is all new for us. Mm-hmm. So the editing, the format, all that stuff is going to be a challenge to say the least. So if you have any questions, concerns, comments, all the good stuff, uh, hit us up at info at com. And you can send your stories there. You can send your comments there. You can send your criticism there. Please like and. Subscribe. We also have an Instagram. We also have an. We're Inst- on Instagram, which we will update um, with some cool stuff. Our Instagram is at indigenous underscore tales. And we will post some cool stuff there. And we'll post pictures of every episode. We'll post pictures of the Wendigo. Mm-hmm. We'll post um, resources, books, the books that we found the information in. You'd also look in our show notes. We're going to drop information about where we found these stories yeah. and all the good stuff. So we also have a Facebook page. Bluff. 
Facebook um, that you can like and please comment and do all the good stuff on that. And that is Nightmares of the Americas Indigenous Tales. So go ahead and like that group. Um, and if you want, if you don't feel comfortable emailing us, you can go to either Instagram, send us a DM, or go to Facebook and drop something with the community so everyone can kind of see and um, comment and maybe have some good chatter on yeah. there. We're completely open to criticism, tips. Hey, maybe you guys should do this. I mean, we're not these arrogant jerks that are like, we know what we're doing. We're learning. So it's all good. And we will also be doing true crime, like said, like we said in the beginning of this podcast. So Ooh, true crime is fun. True crime, where we will respect the victim and her family or their family mm -hmm. because they are a victim. Right. But we will talk as much crap as we can about anyone who impeded the investigation, the cops that maybe bumbled it. Yep. We will not hold back. We will not hold back. But again, we will respect the victims and hopefully we can bring awareness in the future to certain cases to uh, have some of these horrific crimes solved. Yeah. And I think our format is going to change from episode to episode. I don't, it, I mean, it's not always going to sound the same. It's not, sometimes Joseph might talk more than me. Sometimes I might talk more than Joseph. So, I mean, just bear with us if. We're changing all the time. We're trying to find our groove. We're trying different things. So, yeah, just bear with us. Okay. Well, this was fun. So, yeah, fun. Hey, Gabe. You know, uh, we got this episode down. Yes, we did. It's been a uh, like three months. It's been a journey. Yeah. So, hope to hear from you guys. Hope to see you guys next time. Yeah. See you guys. Remember, we will be known forever by the tracks we leave. And remain close to the great spirit. If you're not spiritually connected to the earth and understand the spiritual...